Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, homeschooling mom of two, and wife of one. I'm here to share everything, speech, language, play, development, and all of that other stuff that falls in between. We have an exciting show for you today. We're going to tackle, I'm out of ideas, help me connect. And by the end of this episode, you will know three ways that we connect with our sugars, why we connect and how we connect, because we can know the ways we connect. We can know why we connect. But if we don't know the how, then we just got a bunch of useless information that we can't necessarily use. So we're going to tackle those great things. And when I think about connecting, I think about our ability to relate. It requires our commitment to engage with each other with intentionality, which means that we got to take some time to do some stuff. And connecting with our sugar is no different. We have to invest that time. We have to do it intentionally because they're like little sharks. They can smell blood. And so we want to make sure that we're genuine when we come to them. And if you have multiple sugars, OMG, that just adds to the pot because guess what? You then have to make time to connect with them individually. So like, for example, if I want to connect with my daughter, then I'm probably going to be doing some art or we're going to be having some conversation about world issues or we are going to do something along the lines of playing a game. But if I'm connecting with my son, then I expect a little bit of abuse to take place, usually on his part to me because he's a rough little guy. And so that means we're going to play swords or we're going to do things like roughhouse or we're going to build stuff together. And that means that soldering irons are coming out and all of these things that I wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards from both of them. But I like to connect with them and I like to see what they're into. And so I, I give up my time. So that way we can get a little bit closer. And so that's what I mean by connecting in that way, like through their activities. But on the other hand, if I want to just connect with them, then I talk to them all the time. If I want to know like where their head is at or how things are doing, then I'll just kind of ask questions. And usually they're pretty open books because they're used to the process. But if this is something that's new for you, then you have to kind of figure out how do I want to connect, right? Am I trying to connect with my sugar through play? Especially if it's a young sugar where foundationally you're trying to establish like this relationship with them. So how do I connect with them when they're young like that? Am I watching them play? Am I looking at what they're interested in? Am I getting myself into what they're interested in? And then when I'm coming into their play or I'm inserting myself into their play, am I participating or trying to take over? Um, am I va- adding valuable information? But if I'm trying to connect on the other hand to where I want to kind of know where their head is socially, or I just want to talk to them and I want to have that relationship where we're communicating with each other, am I asking questions? Are they open-ended questions? Or am I just kind of drilling for information? And so we have to kind of have those things clear when we are trying to connect with our sugars in different ways. And it really is a balance because you can connect with your sugar through activities together, through hobbies together, through play together, but not necessarily connect with them in an emotional, uh, on an emotional level, like 
I want to know how you're doing as a person. I want to know what your character is like. I want to know, you know, where your thought process is. And I want to be a part of that thought process. So you know that like mommy and daddy are always here to communicate with you. And so understanding that there's that balance and that shift of sometimes you're going to connect through play. Other times you're going to connect through like emotions and character development and socially because you want to know where sugar is and foundationally you want to be there for them. And sometimes we can run into those bumps that can honestly prohibit connection, whether it be through play, whether it be through emotions, whether it be through social activities, because guess what? Sugars change. We change. They change. We all change. We're ever changing human beings. Like nothing should really stay the same. There's like a scripture that says that nothing is new under the sun. And and that means that everything changes over time. And we have to recognize that just like we change, our sugars change. And recognizing their change puts us in a position to where not only can we support them through those changes, but we can also be there to recognize and be willing to recognize those changes. And we do not want to prohibit change because prohibiting that change, it stagnates their growth. And that can't be healthy for them or for you because that's how we end up with adults on our couch. And not because like the housing market is crazy in the United States, but because we haven't necessarily allowed sugar to grow up or tool up in a way to where they can handle life on their own. Um, Because again, our role as parents, as world changers, it changes, like it's going to continue to shift. And this is obviously easier said than done because life is hectic and work is work and school is school and activities are activities. And honestly, life is life. And so it's one of these things that it's really difficult to even recognize Am I connecting or I have been connecting, but I'm out of ideas to connect. And I don't know how to like make the shift when life is happening in front of me. And so that's what I'm going to help us out with today, because the thing is, if we're going to strive for continual connection, then we must keep our eyes open to stay plugged in. But I'm going to make it simple for all of us because that's how I roll. Like I like to keep things simple and I like to keep things in a way to where, yeah, we're going to think about it. And yeah, it's complex. But at the end of the day, when it's time to execute, it's going to be like, boom, we're, we got this. We're in this. We know what to do. And we feel fully equipped to handle this. And so I've talked about like ways that we can connect with our sugar already. I've kind of given you some ideas, but now it's time for the breakdown, the developmental connection. And developmental connection, that's again through like play and cognitive interest. And play and cognitive interest sometimes go hand in hand. Up to a certain point, they go hand in hand. But at some point, it's going to shift. And it's going to shift in a way that the cognitive interests start to become academic. Or it becomes simultaneously on one side through play and on the other side in academia, how I learn what I'm interested in. And these things naturally happen with sugar. We have to make sure that we are matching their play development. And what I mean by the play development is let's take that infant who loves for mom and dad to be in their face and just 
taking the little toy and the stuffed animal and like rubbing their little face and making them crack up because you're rubbing their face with the stuffed animal or you're like tossing them in the air and they're just cracking up those little things, right? Well, you're not going to do that with your five-year-old or your seven-year-old. You're not going to take the stuffed animal and like shove it in their face and be like inches away from their face going goo, 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 ga, 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 ga for that attention and, and for that love. Like by then you're going to be side by side. Just like if you have that same toddler, or excuse me, that same infant, and they turn into a toddler, you're not going to be face to face with them in that same way doing that kind of play. Play then is going to look totally different. You're going to be stacking blocks. You're going to be riding race cars. You're going to be creating very cool things. You're going to be sparking imagination. You're going to be doing all kinds of very cool things that you're not able to do with that infant. And so that changes over time. So let's go back to that elementary school kid, that five to seven year old kid, right? The stuff that you're going to do with them is going to look a lot more different than what you're going to do with your junior high schooler. There's probably going to be no toys involved with your junior high schooler. There's probably going to be like some specific interest, something that they're interested in, some hobby or some kind of craft or some kind of sport or whatever it is that they've gravitated towards. And you're going to become a part of that. And that play has developed differently, right? Because they've had all this experience with hands-on play, with things that are tangible, the plastic toys, the wooden toys, going outside and exploring, going to the park and things like that. But then they've coupled that with the academic learning. So now their mind has expanded into like the maths, the arts, the Englishes and things like that. So now when they gravitate into these hobbies, these hobbies are reflective of how they like to play and what they like to learn. Huh? Pretty cool, right? And so that changes over time, which is why foundationally, we want to make sure that when they're little itty bitty babies and they're two and they're three and they're four and they're young and they're learning that we are nurturing how they play because when academia comes in, then it's going to all of a sudden explode into this very cool activity based on their interest. And so the more we expose them to, the more we read to them, the more they read to us, the more vocabulary, the more thoughts and processes and play processes that they have. Once they get to like that junior high school age, then it really starts to showcase like where they're at with things. And sometimes a little bit sooner, definitely sometimes a little bit sooner, but for sure by then, again, play is going to shift into like some kind of activity And that continues on in high school. And when it's time to start making like career choices and life choices and college choices and things like that, because all of that stuff is like a stair step for them. And so that's why we want to make sure that we're connecting through their play and changing and challenging them through the ages. We also want to make sure developmentally that we are challenging them to match their thinking to match their thought processes, to match how they perceive things when they are playing and when they are thinking and that we're scaffolding that through the play that they're doing. So like, let's say, for example, you notice your sugar loves, 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 loves to put train tracks together and just loves for them to go down the same way every single time. So maybe we want to expand that and just make a casual suggestion that we set up the track a different way, that we ride the trains, you know, in a different way. And maybe we don't even suggest it. We just sit down and show it really quick, right? In the middle of 
carrying that laundry basket. We drop it real quick and say, you know what? I noticed you like going down that hill the same time every single time. How about, can I just connect this little track over here and just whoop and make mine go this way and then put it right back though? Because remember, we don't want to take over and we don't want them to think that we feel like our ideas are better than our, their ideas because we don't think that. But we do want to like, challenge that thinking if we see like the sameness going on we want to see them evolve and do different stuff because then we know that cognitively they're having like these different challenges and seeing things in a much different way and this falls into like the expansion of these processes so going back to okay you know how to put this track together one way and you know how to make these trains ride one way what if we make it ride another way or if we're doing art, oh my gosh, I love the way you finger paint, but look what I found, these very cool stamps. So I'm gonna take this stamp and I'm gonna put it in the paint and I'm gonna make very cool animals and I'm going to make words. As a matter of fact, let's go outside and pick some leaves from the tree and dip the leaves in the paint and then smash it on the paper and see how that turns out. And so we continue to challenge, again, these processes and we continue to play with them but we also like, we spark that, that thinking, we spark that interest and we watch them as they evolve because they're probably going to be trying some things on their own as well. And we're going to want to become a part of that, but continue to like challenge that process to make sure that they are evolving. And this holds true for my typically developing sugars and my neurodivergent sugars. Like play again should be ever evolving especially in those toddler years, like the birth to three, three and a half, it really should be evolving. And we really should be challenging them to try different stuff. And if they do gravitate towards sameness, we're kind of making them become a little bit more flexible to challenge them to think about things a little bit differently and to do things a little bit differently in order to make sure that they're thought processes are really being nurtured. And so why do we do this? Because, well, for one, sugars plateau and need newness. And so a lot of times if we're noticing that our sugars are doing the same thing over and over and over again, one of two things are probably happening. One, they don't know what to do next with that toy. Or two, there may be a little bit of neurodivergence going on. They might like the sameness in a way to where it becomes more of an impulsive thing and a compulsive thing. And they like the things to be the same every single time. And so it also helps you to connect through bonding. So when you are coming into their play and you're coming into their space and you're challenging those thoughts and ideas and you're helping them see things in a much different way, then you guys are having a bonding moment. Even if it's only for a few minutes where you're getting down on the floor and you're like, hey, let's look at it from this angle and see how this is. Or that's very cool the way that you did that. Can I try too? And so now you're connecting through bonding, especially again for my neurodivergent little sugars out there who have a difficult time with sharing during play. If you insert yourself every once in a while, but quite frequently, right? For a few minutes and search yourself and get in there, then they become a little bit more accustomed 
to you becoming their play partner. And so it's really important for us to insert ourselves in those moments to make sure that they're being flexible and want to play with us. And this can happen for our typically developing sugars too, to where they just don't like to share. And it has nothing to do with any kind of diagnosis. They just don't like to share. And so we want to insert ourselves and challenge them to be willing to allow a play partner to come along. It also helps us to recognize the changes because then it helps us accommodate their needs. Like we're here to foundationally give these sugars what they need because one day they're gonna be not so little sugars anymore, but adults that go off into the world. And so the more that we can accommodate and nurture where they are, the more well-rounded that they will become. We can provide them the tools that they need that are suitable for them. But again, it goes back to us feeling like, okay, I can handle this. I can take this change. And yeah, sometimes I don't always like this change because they're getting big before my eyes, but I know that they need this. And so we want to accommodate that. It teaches you how to understand each other better. Like you really want to continue the process of understanding one another. And you can totally tell, okay, I can totally tell if a family is seriously connected. And it all goes into, think about when sugar is a baby. And, and I want you to test this on yourself to see if you are connected, because then you might need to like try some of these tips and tools, which is why I'm here to tool us up, right? So if you think about when sugar was a baby and a toddler, think about how much you talked during that time. Oh, you're so cool. You're so interesting. You're so cute. Like there's nothing they can do wrong at that age. And think about when they get around the age of, I don't know, around eight, seven or eight. You really have to dig to make sure that you are staying connected because now they're thinking a lot and they're not always inviting you to the thought party. When they're young and little and cute, you know everything that's on their mind. But it's somewhere around seven or eight that you're no longer invited to that party of knowing everything that's going on. They kind of get quiet. And if you're not careful, then that that silence and not scaffolding for information and not having that open-ended conversation can put both of you guys into your own different worlds and separate your you guys from one another. And it's not it has nothing to do with love and it has nothing to do with you being a good or bad parent. It has nothing to do with you at all. It's just this change and this shift that nobody ever really talks about because I don't even think half the time we recognize that it's going on. And so this is where that open communication and open conversation come into play. Because if you notice all of a sudden that there's so much silence in the room and you guys used to be this team that was talking to each other all the time and communicating with each other all the time and it was so fun and playful and soon as it feels like oh my gosh it's not fun anymore then it's time to reconnect and that's how you know it's time to reconnect when you're like oh my gosh what i was doing my old bag of tricks isn't working anymore and the stuff that worked it no longer works and and i want it to work but i don't know how to connect with my sugar and so we want to make sure that we are understanding them. And how do we understand them? Talking, observing, spending time, even sometimes flat out just asking. And in that, like, it'll teach you how they learn. It'll teach you their processes. 
It'll teach you about how they think about things. It'll teach you how they want to play and what they're interested in. Like sometimes my son looks so deep in his thoughts and I'll ask him like, oh, buddy, what, what are you thinking about? You look like you're, you're pretty deep in your thoughts there. And he's like, oh, I'm thinking about Mega Grave Digger. Awesome. Wow. Mega Grave Digger, huh? <laughs> and he's serious as a heart attack. And I just start asking questions around Mega Grave Digger. And, and it makes him happy. And it makes me happy that he's happy. But it really looks like serious thought is going on over there. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is. But sometimes it's not. Um, and then leads me into the the next, like it teaches them what they're, it teaches you what they're interested in. So if you're asking those, those flat out questions, if you're understanding how they learn, if you're understanding those, those thought processes, you also get to learn what they're truly interested in because it may not be what we actually think. And if we are just giving them things and assuming that that's what they're interested in, unless they flat out tell us, then, you know, eh. And I just got like one PSA too. During this age, I know that kids learn from kids and kids spark their interest based on not only what we expose them to, but sometimes the influence of other kids. And we have to be careful with that sometimes because if sugar is always coming home and wanting a toy that you've never heard of and you've never seen them really interested in, I would start asking like, where did you get that idea from? Because socially, and, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, socially, they are trying to also fit in at some given point and their interests might quote unquote shift just so they can feel like they're part of their community. But be careful with that. Be, be careful with how much we allow sugar to be influenced by what Tommy and them likes versus what sugar really likes because sugar is interested in what they're interested in for a reason. And it has something to do with either what they're good at and what their purpose to do and something that sparks some kind of curiosity in them that the other stuff doesn't. And so be extremely careful about those interests that they bring home that are outside interests. And some of them might seriously be genuine. It might be exposure to some activity that little Tommy brought. And he's like, oh my gosh, I never knew this existed. This is the coolest thing ever. But if it's one of those things, like you have to use your discernment. Like if it's one of those activities that I'm getting this because little Timmy's got it, that's probably not the best. And it might be a little bit of waste of time and resources. Just my little PSA, you know. And finally, it strengthens your personal interest. So my daughter went to cooking camp last week. She's been getting more interested in cooking and she's getting to that age where thankfully she should be. Good, good, good. I'm, I'm very happy she's on the right track. She made pasta from scratch. It was a bust. It was totally a bust, but it was also something that I wanted to try myself. And so uh, she came home. We did some research. We looked at some shows, we watched some videos, we read a little bit, and we decided we were gonna embark on this journey to make pasta together. And we did, and it was a total flop. <laughs> it was edible enough, but it was some of the chewiest stuff ever. So we are gonna continue on that, that venture. Uh, it is seriously an adventure because, well, it's something that she's interested in and it's something that I'm interested in and it's something that we both want to no, so not only was her personal interest being strengthened, but also mine. I love cooking. And so this is another way for us to connect continually because there's always going to be something that we probably want to try to cook together. So developmentally, that is 
you know, one of those things that, again, continues to change, continues to evolve. And it's so important that we are making sure that not only are we making sure to developmentally, you know, challenge them and make sure that we are challenging the play, the thinking, and those processes that they already have in place. So here's the other part. And if you notice, developmentally was two things. It was the play and the cognition. So now we're going to talk about social change, connecting through social change. I mean, even as adults, we change. We socially change. Our interests change. Sometimes our friend circles change. Sometimes they stay the same. Sometimes we expand them and then we have new friend circles that get together with our old friend circles and it ends up being a big old circle. Like change happens. It's inevitable. You can't stop that. And so we want to make sure that from a very early age that we are watching how sugar is socially changing. It's more important for you than it is for them, funny enough. It's important for both of you guys. But if you're trying to stay intentional and connected, then this is more important for you because it's going to help you relate to sugar and to help as change comes. But you can't help something and you can't nurture something that you don't understand. And so if you're genuinely showing interest to how they're changing and how you're relating to them and how you're relating to their thoughts and their ideas, through these conversational exchanges and these interactions, then it gives them security and confidence because they get it. They know that you get it. If mom and dad gets it, then who really cares what the rest of the world thinks in most cases, right? And so, I mean, sometimes mom and dad and sugar are going to bump heads and that's a different story for a different day, but from a very early age, it's so important that sugar knows that mom and dad understands and that they understand my change and they understand how I'm evolving as a little person to a bigger little person to an adult person. And they need that confidence in order to try new things and to have the security to go out into the world and just explore and do and be the best version of themselves without feeling like they have to compromise and be something else. And so this is why we want to recognize who they are versus who we want them to be. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Like sugar is going to be who sugar is. And we can want sugar to do be a better version of themselves, but we don't want sugar to be something that they're not. And so we want to make sure to give them that security in that. And also it teaches you how sugar communicates. Are they more of a passive listener? Are they the star of the show and like to share? Are they the one who's like the social introvert? Are they the the communicator who likes to communicate for everybody? Like, how do they communicate? How do they fit in? And how do we nurture that and continue to make sure that not only are their thoughts and ideas being heard, but on the other hand, they're able to hear other people's thoughts and ideas, which is really cool. And it teaches you how to scaffold And scaffold is just a fancy word for like going through, like you're pulling information. If you're scaffolding, you're pulling for information. And so it teaches you how to scaffold for areas that need support. And not all areas will need support. At some points in life, no area will need any support. But it's very cool to know how to like pull that information just to know if any support is needed then you are either there to provide it or there to get the information that you need in order to support them. 
connecting with them socially if you've run out of ideas while we're doing it. It helps you unite as a unit. It, it really does help unite you guys as a unit. If again, it goes back to that security and confidence thing. If mom and dad are genuinely interested in, in me, then I'm going to be connected with them on a much different level, which is going to unite us as a unit on a much different level. Because now I know I can share my thoughts. I can share my ideas and I'm not going to be shot down or I'm not going to be made fun of, or I'm not going to be steered in another direction unless I need to be steered in another direction. But it gives them that, that push that they need to feel really connected and united within their family unit. It helps talk about tough topics. It really helps talk about tough topics. Like if you know where your sugar is, you know, cognitively, and this goes back into thinking and not thinking to do, but like cognitively mature, you know, like what's their maturity level? What information can they handle? And if they're asking me about tough things, how much information can I give them without it being too overwhelming? Or on the other hand, how do I make sure I'm not, you know, for lack of a better term, dumbing things down to where they feel a little bit insulted because they know a lot more than what I knew or even thought that they knew. But if I'm not talking to them and I don't know where they are, then I might be insulting their intelligence and not giving them quite enough information. And so, you know, we just wanna tread lightly on that and make sure again, that we're communicating so we don't end up in that position and they're just looking at us like, okay, you're treating me like a baby and I'm going to go and seek out the information somewhere else because that's the worst thing that can happen. And finally, it helps you appreciate the little things. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna give you guys this, this little example. Yesterday, I've been on this kick. We've been so busy, but I've been on this kick to where I just wanna be at a beach, but we don't have the time right now. We just don't have it. And so my son decided he wanted to take a cardboard box and cut it into pieces to make canoes and secure it with tape. And so we went on a hiking trail and there happens to be a river within that hiking trail. And we tested out those boats on that, on that river. And it was one of the coolest things that we could have done. It got me close to the water, which made me very happy. It wasn't the ocean, but it was water. Uh, and it was very beautiful water, but by me listening to him and hearing like what it was that he wanted, what he wanted to do, understanding his interest at this point, not only were his needs accommodated and met, mine were too. And where I don't have like three or four days to go to the ocean right now, I definitely was able to spend a few hours at the river and it was great. And so it helped me in that moment realize that, hey, sometimes you're not going to get the ocean, but you can get the river. And if you get the river, that's just as good too. And I was really happy about that. And finally, how to execute all this stuff. So now we know about the developmental changes through play and through thinking, but now we also understand like the social changes that we need in order to connect with our sugars. And how do we execute this? Investing daily time. If you're a planner, you can schedule a block of time. If you're not a planner and your schedule is a little bit more fluid, then just get in there when you can get in there. And if you're somewhere in between, again, just get in there when you can get in there. My recommendation is to seriously be distraction-free and not just them, but you as well. Like no phone, no technology, no nothing around, like serious concentration, attention on them. 
So that way you're not dividing attention and they don't feel like, you know, mom is kind of interested. They're just coming in here to like do this thing and then get on with their day. But it also teaches them like how to like focus on one thing at a time, especially if they're little, little sugars. Again, that toddler age, like they need to see distraction-free interaction so they'll know how to focus on one thing at a time because it is developing at this point. Another thing that you wanna make sure that you are coming without motives because again, sugars are like little sharks. They smell blood. They know when you're being ingenuine. They know, like they can tell. That's why they can discern what adults they do and don't like and people they do and don't like because they just have that that level of innocence and discernment. Like there's no facade with them. And they know more than what you think. And so if you're coming to them in a way to where it just, it looks wonky, you know, just let those inhibitions down and just go in there, connect, have some fun. And don't assume what sugar does or does not know. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, that talking really does help you find out where they are and asking questions without making assumptions like, we don't like people to make assumptions about us. Let's not make let's not make assumptions about them. Like analyzing, yes. Observing, yes. Assuming, wrong, wrong. Don't do it. And participate without taking over the play. I mentioned this one earlier. We want to participate without taking over because, well, they're going to lose interest if you do that. And you're probably going to lose them and they're going to feel like you're dominating their play. And you're not really interested in what they're interested in doing. And that just opens up a whole nother can of worms. And finally, participate without dominating the conversation. And so I like to call this the three-second rule. Three-second rule is if I talk and say something, I'm giving you. Counting down by three, waiting for you to have a response. And this is really great also for my neurodivergent sugars who have um, expressive language delays and they're a little bit sluggish and don't wanna talk. If you give that three-second rule, oh my gosh, chances are that they're going to try to say something or you guys will just sit there and look at each other, but they'll know that the expectation is that, hey, I'm supposed to be filling this in with the word, so maybe I'll try, maybe not, we'll see. But the three-second rule is really important because it shows that you're not dominating the conversation and you're giving sugar a chance to respond. And if you need like new toys to connect or to challenge the situation, don't go breaking the bank world changers. Like, this should be something that's fun. It should be something that's exciting. And again, it's it should be something that's ever changing, ever evolving. So you could take them to a toy store or some kind of store, center, wherever you like to go and purchase your play material and see what they gravitate to. See what interests them. Now, if they have 10 others just like it at home, try to dis discourage that a little bit and see if you can find something different or give them the big speech in the car before they even hit the toy store that we're going to be looking for something different because we want to try something different. Can we try something different that we can do together? And that's how you kind of prepare them if they like gravitating to the same thing over and over and over again. Play out mentally way Sugar is going to go to play with his toy and how you can be involved. And this is if you need like a new way to connect and it's been a flop in the past if you can kind of play out what's already happened, then you can figure out how you can insert yourself into that activity um, and insert yourself into play, which is important, sometimes just as important 
sometimes even more important than the play itself. Like, how am I going to insert myself in this play based on how, on the character of my sugar? Because sometimes that could be a challenge, especially if this is new and you're just not sure where to start. Like, it's okay if you've kind of, you know, taken your notes and you now know how sugar plays and how they like to play and you kind of want to get in there now, just kind of play out in your mind, like how you're going to get in there. That doesn't mean like scripted to the point of where like, if somebody gets off script, then you're like running the other way, <laughs> but enough to where you can be a part of it and feel comfortable and, and everybody feels good about it. And honestly, you may not want any toys. Maybe you want to skip the toys altogether. Maybe you just want to go play because you know what never dies? Tag, hopscotch, jump rope, playing catch, dodgeball. Those are activities that don't ever really die and are super fun. Swords with paper towels? Oh my gosh, that's fun. And so sometimes it doesn't take an actual toy. It might just be doing with what you already have, but doing it in a different way and going back to your own childhood and what used to make you spark. Cause I'm telling you, tag is still what's up. I, I love it. Anyway, finally, the final thing that you can do, make up new games together. So we were out the other day and my son is working on waiting. He's working on patience and he knows that he's working on his patience because he has absolutely none at all. Love him to pieces, but he has no patience. Zero, zilch. He'll say he's bored. He'll say they're taking too long. He'll say everything that he needs to say under the sun. His mind is going 50 miles an hour every half a second. And so he just, he needs to be stimulated, but we're also teaching him that you don't always need to be stimulated. Sometimes you just can chill and wait. But yesterday wasn't that day. So I had to think quick on my toes because we didn't have any toys around. And so we created a game and it was a table game and it required no toys, no nothing, just our thinking ability. It was called Alphabet and it was actually really fun. So if you want to try it, try it out. So Alphabet goes, if I'm going first, the first letter in the alphabet is what? A. And so you say alligator and then it would be his turn. He would say the first word, uh, he'd say then B for ball, C, cat, D. And then you go back and forth and you go all the way through alphabet. But then soon as somebody messes up the letter, you got to start all over again. And so we liked it so much that we brought it home to my husband and my daughter and they actually liked it. And so I think that's going to be one that we are going to keep. And so for us, that helped not only with our connection, but it also helped with creativity it was an area that I know he's not always quite flexible. And so it made him become a little bit more flexible in his thinking. And of course, this is an eight-year-old. And so like, please don't try this on the two-year-old. But on the eight-year-old, it was totally appropriate for him. And we really, really enjoyed it. And so things like that, you can totally do. You can think of off the top of your head and keep things fresh. Because I like to keep things fresh. I'll create a game. I'll forget about that game. And then they'll bring it up to me. And then we'll play it again, the ones that they really like. And that's that's kind of what we do, how we keep things going here. And it sometimes doesn't involve a toy store run. It just involves us thinking. So world changers and all that, just keep trying. Keep trying. Be encouraged. And don't be discouraged if things don't go as planned. Like, it's okay. We all flop, like nothing's ever always gonna be perfect. And even if you find yourself like, oh my gosh, I'm out of ideas, I've connected in all these ways, that's a good thing in a sense, because that means that you've plateaued everything that you know, you've exhausted everything that you know, and it's time to do some new. That's 
pretty cool. That means you're on the right track. So don't get discouraged if you've ran out of stuff. Let's just keep that party going and keep learning and keep doing. Because again, like I said earlier, just like we evolve, sugar is evolving. And so we want to see them evolve. We want to see them do new. We want to see them to, you know, just change. And so, you know, have your blueprint, but be flexible and just enjoy yourself. Because you know what? The point of this is learning how to continually connect. And there's no rule book for that. It's just time and experience and honestly, some patience. So consider yourself every time you plateau and you're like, oh my gosh, I need something new because we are starting to sound like the same old record. You, you've now become the OP, the original parent of learning your sugar. Good job. <laughs> I know this is something that you could totally do. Join me in the month of August where I will discuss back to school. Can you believe it's that time again? Somebody stole summer right from up under me. Oh my gosh. It is that time. Oh my goodness. I cannot believe that time has gone by so fast. But this month, I will have some guests on our show to help us get all tooled up for the upcoming school year. So go on social media, on my social media page. I'll be dropping that probably next week so you guys will know who, what, when, and join me for that because I cannot wait. You know I love having guests on because sometimes it's good to get other perspective and hear new ideas from other people. I'm trying to keep myself fresh. So hey, let's let's do this together. Also, join the interest list for my upcoming book, Watch Me, Connecting to Your Child Through Play. This is an experience that you don't wanna miss. I'm gonna take play principles and make it easy for you to apply. You're gonna walk away with tools that'll get you on your way immediately. And who does not want tools to connect with sugar? Because again, we want to stay tooled up in order to keep things fresh so we don't run out of ideas. And even when we do run out of ideas, we'll be prepared to be like, this is what I need to do next to make sure I'm on the right track. And if you're not on my mailing list, what are you waiting for? Become part of this community where we can continue to connect, grow, and learn. And finally, finally, if you are enjoying this podcast and you've got a few extra pennies to spare, I'd love for you to join my Patreon community. There's no amount too big or too small, and there's different levels of support. So go on and find that at I'vegotthiskid.com. Everything you can find there. If not there, then just keep scrolling down in your show notes. And that is it for this week, World Changers. As always, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. And I cannot wait for you guys to join me next week. So until the next time, y'all, take care.